Hear now the word of God. Psalm 23, the message. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from, true to your word. You let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction, even when the way goes through the death valley. I'm not afraid. You walk by my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Psalm 23, King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, ladies, for both reading Psalm 23, a beloved psalm for so many people. There was a preacher once that introduced Psalm 23 by saying, even when you walk with God, you'll eventually have to pass through a dark valley. We could also say, because you walk with God, you eventually have to walk through a dark valley. And I think both are true. Life brings dark valleys. Following God does too. And this psalm is a reminder that God is with us through both. It is the most familiar song, for many the most beloved. Just hearing, the Lord is my shepherd, begins tugging at memories, memorizing this psalm in Sunday school at the feet of a beloved Sunday school teacher. Some of us remember repeating this psalm at the funeral of one we love, seeking again the comfort of green pastures and still waters, the reminder that even here, even in a dark valley, God comforts me. It has been repeated millions of times in a hospital room, through tears at gravesides, in moments where the world has suddenly tilted sideways where we can't get a grasp. These ancient words are steady. They connect us to the promises that have not failed us yet and will not fail us now. The psalm, like the God it reminds us of, comforts us all the days of our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. This song is like the comfort food of the Bible. I don't know if you know this, but in the United States, the top comfort food is pizza, which is not at all surprising to me. When you're down in the dumps, what you need is a pizza, a big old slice or maybe the whole box. 
load it with your favorite toppings, and somehow life is just a little bit better. And if you wanted to know, after pizza in the United States, the next comfort foods are chocolate, duh, ice cream, and macaroni and cheese. If you put all of those together, all the better. Comfort food. Down south, I think we'd have to add fried chicken, potentially some barbecue, and in my personal household, you have to add in the homemade noodles that my mother makes as comfort food. But you see, the thing about comfort food is they don't tend to be healthy, sadly. In general, when we're talking about comfort foods, people aren't saying, man, I wish I had some fresh asparagus today. <laughs> A kale and quinoa salad with the dressing on the side, please. That's because a comfort food needs two things going for it. One, you put it in your mouth and there's this explosion of delicious. Maybe your stomach will be aching later. Maybe you've ruined your diet for the day or even the week. But in that moment, your mouth is saying, God is good, hallelujah, amen. But you see, a comfort food doesn't just taste delicious. The second thing that makes it a comfort food is that it has a memory attached to it. Eating it, even just smelling it, pulls up memories of better times, of family dinners, of barbecues, moments in childhood when you were wrapped so tight in your parents' arms that nothing could get to you. They comfort us by reminding us of a time when things were better and reminding us that they will be again. Yes, a box of pizza has that kind of power. And Psalm 23 is a bit of a spiritual comfort food. The words are powerful and profound, carrying promises of green pastures and still waters and a cup that runs over, and it tugs up those comforting memories that feel like wearing your favorite sweatshirt on a rainy day with a cup of hot tea. Psalm 23 is famous. But you know, the psalm right before it is famous, too, for a very different reason. Psalm 22 is the psalm that Jesus quotes from the cross. It's the psalm that Mark uses to describe Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion. Psalm 23 starts with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But Psalm 22? Psalm 22 starts with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? It's about having nothing left, being surrounded by enemies, being attacked, and in the face of all that, choosing to trust God. Psalm 22 is this declaration of faith anyway. Even though the world stands against me, even though death is at my door, even though I cannot see God through the valley of the shadow of death, I am defiant. I am faithful anyway. Psalm 22 is a refusal to back away from our belief in God, even when everything seems lost. After Psalm 22, after staying faithful through the hard times, after trusting God when nothing will go right, after all that, comes Psalm 23. 
After my God, my God, why have you forsaken me comes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What I find interesting about Psalm 23 is that if you look for pictures that go with Psalm 23, you'll find Jesus, beautiful, peaceful look on his face, holding a little sheep in his arms, or a cute little sheep laying down in green pastures. But why aren't the pictures of Psalm 23 ever the valley of the shadow of death? Why aren't they a table set in the face of my enemies? Because quite frankly, that's where I think this psalm belongs. It is not a promise of more comfort to those already living in comfort. It's a defiant declaration in the face of the shadow of death, in the face of evil, in the presence of my enemies, that my God is still enough. This psalm is at home, at a funeral. In a funeral, we gather together because we have lost somebody where there was this person we loved. They are no longer there. The only way to avoid the pain of loss is to refuse to love at all. If you refuse to open yourself up to love, then death will only ever sting you like getting stung by a wasp or pricked by a thorn. But if you refuse to open yourself up enough to love, then loss will never hit you like a punch in the gut. It will never haunt your dreams with what you had or what you could have had. If you refuse to love, you won't have to tremble in fear at what might happen next because what happens next won't matter. Psalm 23 has very little comfort for those who refuse to love. Psalm 23 has very little comfort to those who refuse to love. But if you love, if you dare to love, your heart might be rent and even broken. You might be left standing completely exposed, ridiculed, abandoned, crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Love will lead you directly into Psalm 22. From time to time, daring to love will lead you into the shadow of death, into a broken heart. Which is why Psalm 23 is at home in a funeral. Because those who are there have lost someone. They have dared to love a person and that person is now gone. And in that moment, we read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And in those words, we are given the courage not to run. We are given the courage to stand there in our hurt, in our pain, our disappointments, our fears, whatever storms that come our way, to just stand there and declare that love is worth even this. I will not run because the Lord is my shepherd. I will not stop loving because God comforts me. I will not hide from love even though it has left me tired, broken, and down because God will lead me to green pastures and still waters. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm standing over a grave, even though my heart is rent and broken, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil because you, my God, are with me. You see, Psalm 23 does not promise us a comfortable life. It gives us the courage to love recklessly no matter what pain it brings because God will carry us through. As I read and reread Psalm 23 all week, I began to read one line a little differently. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I wondered, what does it mean if we have no enemies? What does it mean? if we have no enemies, because God has enemies, we know this, not just sin in some vague way. Throughout the Bible, those who threaten and attack God become God's enemies. He leaps to defend his people with plagues and miracles. He has enemies because he stands for the lonely, the poor, the oppressed. God stands for the last, the least, and the lost, and if you oppose them, then God opposes you. At one point in his life, Jesus is playing with some children, and he looks at the crowd and says, If any of you cause one of these children to stumble in their faith, it would be better for you if someone tied a millstone around your neck and threw you into the ocean. God has enemies, certainly because God dares to love. If you love, there will be things you oppose. If we love children, we will be opposed to underfunded schools or skyrocketing rates of anxiety and depression. If we love the elderly, we will be opposed to leaving them forgotten in their homes or letting them feel like they have nothing of value to offer. If we love our families, we'll be opposed to a culture that leaves us so busy we don't have any time to spend with them. If we are willing to love, we will have enemies. And if we love God, his enemies will be ours. Whatever prevents people from knowing God and believing in Jesus Christ, that becomes our enemy. And that is worrying to me. That is worrying because God picks fights with massive enemies. God picks a fight with starvation, with loneliness. God picks a fight with injustice, all of it, everywhere. When God's enemies become our enemies, we are not just taking on a school bully. We're taking on enemies the size of a house with the fury of a hurricane. Why? Because of love. Because of love. Because we love. If you do not love, Psalm 23 has very little comfort for you, but if you love, even standing in the face of massive enemies, if you fight and hurt and work for love, read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. If you dare to love, God will restore your soul.
Let us pray. Lord, we know that we love because you love us. We know that the massive enemies we take on on a day-to-day schedule are only enemies because of who you are. We know that you fight for the last and the least. We know that you fight for those in our lives who need you the most. Give us the willingness, the courage, and the energy to fight alongside you. Give us the energy to fight because we love you and we love our neighbors. Restore us, Lord. Restore this place, restore this church, restore this town, restore this community, restore this world, because this is a world that needs you. Restore our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.